Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome back, Cracked fans, to another edition of the Cracked Interviews podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. As we've alluded to on our other shows, this offseason, our Crack Rackets team attempted to speak with every Power 5 men's and women's head coach employed throughout the college tennis world. We asked each of them about their team's respective 2021 seasons and what we should expect from them here in 2022. Of course, we also offered them a platform to share their thoughts on some of the big picture topics in college tennis. It is a fantastic series that our team is ecstatic to finally start sharing with the broader college tennis community over the next six weeks. Fans can expect no fewer than 10 episodes a week to be posted on this feed. A huge shout out to our friends at Tennis Point for their support with this series. Remember, go to tennis-point.com right now. Use that promo code CR15 to express your thanks. With all of that said, we're ready to get to today's episode. So Westoff, hit those credits. Let's start today's show. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Joining us on the podcast today is one of the rising coaching duos from across the country, one of the most successful teams here in the fall season. Of course, let's start with our head coach joining us on the line today. Of course, you may know him best from his playing days. He was an NCAA semifinalist at the NCJAA tournament back in his playing days for Cowley College. Nowadays, we know him as the head coach of the Iowa State women's tennis team. Welcome to the show, Coach Boomer Saya. Coach, how are you doing today? I'm doing awesome. Thanks for that Juco shout-out, Alex. <laughs> our playing days. <laughs> Far and uh, few between, but, uh, man, it feels good to be here. Thanks for having us. Oh, it is my pleasure. You see, others may not know that, but come on. We all know. Who isn't following <laughs> those Cali College results? I mean, the, the <laughs> hardcore fans always are. But, of course, also joining us on the line today, his better half. Now, of course, you may know her as a former standout, you know, Texas Tech. Nowadays, coaching here alongside Coach Saya at Iowa State. His associate head coach, better half, Coach Kenneth Kilgo. Coach, welcome to the show as well. How are you doing today? Delightful. Thanks for having us both. Oh, it is my pleasure. And again, I always enjoy getting both coaching duos because when one lies, the other will call them out. And so I'm hoping (laughs) that dynamic will carry over today. But I mean, let's just get right into it. And I'll start with you, Coach Saya. Uh, You look at what your team was able to accomplish this fall and even big picture beyond that, what you all were able to accomplish last spring, making the NCAA tournament, winning your first round match. 
Things are buzzing right now for the Cyclones. I got to ask, you know, how was this fall? It had to have been nice to carry that momentum here to start this season. It was. I was really curious to see how we handled, if we could carry that momentum from uh, May into uh, the rest of the fall. And, and they really took it in stride. You know, I think the exciting thing is we're still so young um, and they're learning and growing. Um, and so it by far was our best fall, like as far as win losses, like we, our first year, we'd go to tournaments and maybe go one in 15 and singles. And so it was, I don't know, like we've had decent springs and bad falls. So maybe makes my chest tight a little bit, like <laughs> it's not like a counterweight, but, um, at the end of the day, it was, uh, it was a great fall to build on, like definitely our, our best in our, uh, uh, school history but um, hopefully you know we can parlay that into the spring ideally yeah and for you coach Kilgo which by the way has to be the best name in all of college tennis we can just lock that in right now uh, yeah <laughs> no doubt but thank um, you thank but, you yeah of course I mean, that was, was just the question to me I can't yeah. take all the credit there <laughs> there's actually no question that's all I had to say uh, but you know on that same note uh, just to have and because you look at your team's roster Still a very young team, and I know they all got to compete last season, and you know, I think everyone got at least one match in that's a returner, uh, but to have a full fall and to be able to practice normally and go to tournaments normally, how valuable was that for this young roster, even given the experience they all got last year? I think it was huge, honestly. Um, you know, last spring, I think everyone was still trying to figure out our standards and kind of what we want our program to be about, and so... Coming in this fall, I think everyone understood the assignment and um, they really got after it from the first day. And so I think that just kind of showed in the growth of their games and kind of results in general. Um, so, yeah, I think it was huge for them to be able to come in and really get the extended fall. Uh, I'm curious, and I'll ask you you this first, Coach Saya. Does it still feel like a young team? Because, again, I don't think there's anyone older than a sophomore on the roster, which... That's quite the configuration, and I imagine, again, moving forward, that's something you'll try not to duplicate, but does it feel like a young team, or does this team have some experience now? Are they a bit calloused? It's, oh, man, probably a mixed bag, I'd say. I'd say there we still do some freshman things that make me pull my hair out, um, but they're actually a level of expectation, and maybe it's familiarity and doubles are things that we are coaching, uh, decision-making things uh, tactically, I think, uh, I have seen a, a lot of growth in that area um, as far as um, those things go. But I would say, you know, it, it is exciting. I don't like I'm a little stressed about the future years of like, OK, we're going to have to replace like four and four. So <laughs> let's get uh, let's roll the sleeves up and get to work recruiting. But um, at the same time, they're an awesome group, unbelievably uh, respectful. And I, I tell I tell Ken all the time, like, our only issues with this group are tennis issues and like so off the court it's not even a thing and um man we've been privileged uh to have the kids you know i don't know how sometimes it works like that i've been a lot of places and usually have maybe one kid that's like she's she could have some issues and uh, we don't have any of those uh, you know, knock on wood hopefully one doesn't blossom into that but uh it's it's been a a blessing and yeah i think um they do they do have at least a step in the right direction as far as maturity, and I'm excited for uh, the next you know two years to have the same uh, seven. No, absolutely, and I, we're going in reverse order here, but let's start with the ITA regional, and I'll go to you, uh, Coach Kilgo. You guys swept it, and you not only swept the regional, but you swept it at home as well. 
I mean, again, you knew you had some talent coming back, but did you expect that sort of performance from your team this early? And what did it mean to, again, your program to get that regional sweep? Yeah, I don't really think any coach would go into your regional thinking you're going to sweep it um, (laughs) or really take any title at that matter because everyone in your regionals is good. And so um, I think when we started the tournament, there were some – dicey game styles being played and um you just kind of hope for the best and hope they kind of get into a rhythm and you know I think it was really big for our program and I think you know everyone coming up to Iowa it's uh I say it's a home advantage but I mean we weren't technically at home either um but yeah I think it really kind of put us on the map because um not everyone you have a good spring and people are like oh okay good job like try to do it again and so having three girls really step up four girls five girls just crush it i mean it's it's really exciting and i think people are kind of looking at us like oh okay so you're for real this time yeah so it's, no. it's exciting. It's fun. Yeah, and so many program firsts over the past year, Coach Saya, to get this one. And, again, I know it's an individual title, but it's a title. And there does seem something, again, I know this wasn't the direct home match, but last year 8-0 in your home matches. And, you know, again, to have people come up to Iowa, you defend the home turf, defend the home state. Talk to me about the success. Again, it's got to be – it's always nice to accomplish firsts. Oh man, it's been a it's been a fun journey the last three and a half years because I think we started. My goodness, I think we were like 215 in the country when we took over, and um, to to you know to hit those top 50 marks. And then last year, you know, I think we were as high as 31. And then you make the tournament, and then you actually win a round, you know, against a really good hot South Carolina team, right? And then you kind of push NC State, who makes a Final Four to the brink, and you're like, oh my gosh, it just kind of really snowballed into like something amazing and then to be able to back that up um this fall and i don't think we've ever had any singles or doubles players make it past the quarterfinals and so to have a bunch of firsts um and wow like sweet like to to know that you have two doubles teams going and then Maclo wins the singles um man I, i i tell our kids all the time um you know where we came from but i really don't know if they truly know is what they've done and and uh, all these first for our program are are on them they they've they've really embraced it and um th- those are the people that have you know i'm a big believer that you win with people and uh, they've really broken through that ceiling and uh, excited to see where we can take this you know we're, we're out to prove people wrong yeah, and you talk about the NACLO singles title. I think that's a good way for us to get into that 2021 season. Again, a season where your team experiences success across the board. You guys go 14-8 and eight overall, and as you mentioned, you know, qualify and get a win over South Carolina at the NCAA tournament. You get a win in the Big 12 Conference play as well. Uh, again, I'm going to go to you first here, Coach Saya, but when you look at last season, you didn't have a fall. And there was one senior on the roster. And, yeah, some of the players had some experience, you know, playing in the in the brief moments of that COVID-2020 season. But I don't want to say did you expect the success, but what allows a team to, again, start off the season as strongly as yours did last season, even with the lack of continuity in the fall? Uh, that's a great question. I think uh, I try to bounce things like this off of Kenna all the time. Like why? Like a- asking the question, well, why did it go like this? And um, you know, I think I think the best thing for our program was 
the girls and women in our program though they don't they didn't necessarily have um expectations of of like losing and so they everything was new to them so they almost you know knock on wood they didn't know any better um so uh, i think that uh that that almost propelled us to, to help winning because it's like okay we're going out and playing a tennis match and it didn't matter we, we tell them all the time we're never going to play logos and so uh, we're gonna we're gonna go out and we're gonna we're gonna hey bring your sack lunch and we're gonna go to work and um i really think they embraced that um I would have to say, I didn't know. I thought like on paper, like we were talented. You just never know the roller coaster of season. Like how's it going to play out? And, you know, down the stretch there, my chest was tight because we really wanted to make a, a tournament. And, you know, I think after we beat uh, a Texas Tech team at, at Big 12, it was our first ever like tournament win in the Big 12 tournament. And so there, those first like were rattling, but like, as soon as we got that, it was like, oh my gosh, you know, maybe the pressure is off and we relaxed in the NCAA tournament because we had nothing to lose. And so I think we have to take that same mentality um, into this this year, but they, I think it was, I don't want to say immaturity, but we just didn't know any any better. And that was the best thing for us. The fresh minds um, was, was I, I believe the reasoning uh, for the success. When you guys beat Texas Tech, I mean, I'm sure you both feel it, but Coach Kilgo in particular, is there like a little knife in the heart where you're just like, ooh, you know, we could have done that to someone else. Like, is that how the draw had to break up? And I suppose more broadly than that, uh, again, I'm curious when you're coaching this team because you have been on teams two-time Big 12 champion teams and you know you've made your first Sweet 16 in program history did you see I mean you know that belief that comes when you're starting to earn these sorts of wins did you see that belief start to grow in your team last year and you know how do you translate and capitalize on that this season yeah for sure I think you kind of saw it late in the season um you could kind of see it um you know, when you start getting into second sets or uh, pushing matches to third sets, you really started seeing their game styles come out. And you're like, oh, my gosh, yes, this is what we've been working for. Like, this is what we do. And so it's just really cool to to see the growth in the games and them being confident in what they're good at. And so I think that was more I, – I think that was more than kind of believing that they could win. It's like they believed – their game style was good enough. And it was like, they would just start playing their game style. I was like, oh yeah, let's let's roll. And so I think that kind of propelled us going into, you know, the big 12 tournament and stuff like that. But uh, once we got to the big 12 tournament, you know, we had played tech before and we beat, beat them four three. And I think all of our girls were like, oh yeah, we got this one again. And um, it's, it's actually funny. So, one of my goals for the year was to be tech. And it's like, I give all of my respect to Todd Petty. Like he basically raised me in the tennis world and um, he's an unbelievable coach and human, honestly, it's a big mentor, but there's something special about beating someone who mentored you. It's just, oh, it feels so good. And so I think the girls really kind of took my goal and wanted to make it happen for me and so i think the second time going out to play and they just they're like oh yeah we're gonna get this one pretty good for you mm -hmm. so um that was nice and then yeah just going going forward they believed they could be anybody yeah and you talk about your team again these players finding their games throughout the course of the year when you look at the success you had across the board i want to get to doubles in a little bit but i want to start with singles 
you know, five of the six flights are winning 58% or more of their matches. And, you know, most of, I think all of those players are back here this season. But it did feel like last year, you know, again, you guys had a bunch of different pathways to four points. It wasn't like, all right, we're going to take one, three, four, and five, lock that in. It felt like, you know, you could find four points different ways. I feel like that's both a burden and a blessing, Coach Saya. Like, it's always nice to know, all right, we've got these two stashed in the back pocket. But am I wrong here in that assessment, or did you guys feel that as well, where it just felt like, again, you could find four all sorts of ways? For sure, and I think there were moments throughout the season that you challenged people to step up, and, um, you know, it's uh, – I like to think that it was a team-oriented wins, uh, but uh, at times, like, it does make you uneasy. It's like, okay, where are we going to get our four? Uh, but, um, you know, I think we, we preach all the time. It's one of the biggest things that we talk about is – just having six bodies out there in singles and three doubles teams fighting for each other. And, you know, if you, if you have a certain standard of talent, um, if they can fight for each other on good and bad days, um, and you can reach that point and whether you win or lose, like, you know, you can walk off court and I, I can put my arm around him and just tell him how proud I am. Uh, it's, it's really hard to get to that point. You know, maybe you have three, maybe you have four. And um, at the end of the year, I felt like we were, we were battling so hard at every spot and I couldn't have uh, been prouder. And so I'm hoping that we can uh, carry that in, but it, it was, it was multiple people stepping up. You know, I think it was NACLO the first time that clinched the four, three against um, Texas tech. And then um, Miska Kadlakova, I think clinched it um, against uh, maybe Kansas or Kansas state um, and stepped up there. And then Chie Kazuka has clinched, you know, a number of matches at the end of the year, including South Carolina. So it was, it was really fun to watch different people get to step up and get confidence in themselves. Um, but they, they just, I tell them like, you guys work hard. You deserve those moments. Um, you know, have confidence in yourself and, and you guys deserve that. So um, yeah, it maybe makes it uh, exciting, uh, but also uneasy because you're, you're not sure where the four points are going to come, but if we can go battle, I'm, I'm all, I'm all game. Yeah, and uh, to you, Coach Kilgo, I, you talk, and I want to kind of talk about some of the individuals here now. You talk about Naklo. You know, she had a successful freshman season, no doubt about that. I think the record was something like 18 and 11 that first year, and obviously for any freshman to have that sort of success bodes well for their future. But when you look at what she was able to do last season, to go, you know, 12 and 7 at the number one singles position, to carry that into the fall, win the regional. You know, I, I got the chance to see her play a bunch this fall. And it's not like, you know, she's 5'8", 5'9", 5'10", these massive weapons, right? And yet, there's something about her game. It's very compelling. Like, talk to me about the growth you saw from her last season. Is she ready to take another jump forward this year? Because obviously, if you guys are going to replicate what you guys were able to do last year, it's going to be a lot riding on her at the top of that lineup. I'm really excited to kind of see where her game goes this season. I feel like every semester that she's here, she just takes another step up. And um, I really felt like this fall, she understood exactly what she's trying to do. And then um, kind of putting the pieces together of like, okay, it's not quite on, let me try this. Um, which I felt like last spring, you could kind of see it in big matches, but it wasn't a complete game style yet. And so um, I think she's really coming into her own. And yeah, I'm really excited to kind of get back on court with her and um, see how much better we can make her. 
Yeah. No, again, a, a massive fall. And obviously, she's someone who was a top 30 ITF junior. And, uh, you know, I, I want to talk to you guys about some big picture things. I want to talk about recruiting as well. I mean, it's the golden question, I'm sure, Coach Saya, but how do you get someone like that to buy into your program? In particular, again, that 2019 class, you bring in five different freshmen at the time. Uh, obviously, that's a class that has already accomplished first in Iowa State history, but I'm, I'm sure to to get a recruit like that, what does that do for the program? Oh, man, it just helps so much. Like when we're, you know, like I said, I didn't even know what our ranking was that first year. Um, and it was pure persistence. Um, you know, uh, just I think she was really torn between going pro or and I don't know if college was quite on the map and um, just tried to stay in there as much as I could and build that relationship. And, you know, we got I, I we got lucky. We You know, she, she ended up taking a chance on us. And, um, you know, I ask myself that all the time, like maybe why? And I ask her that as well. And um, I think we just clicked in that recruiting process. And um, we were that team that maybe stood out to her uh, when she decided to go to college. And man, I couldn't have been more thankful for those five that, that did take a chance on us because we weren't, you know, we didn't have tradition. We're not, you know, we're in Ames, Iowa. We don't have the beach, right? And um, we're still working on a facility situations. So really me and Kenna were selling ourselves and, and our backgrounds and these kids took a chance on us. And it is exciting to watch them accomplish all these first because there was so much work and stress that went into those signings. Uh, and uh, man, and so I'm hoping that we can carry that momentum that, that they've built. But uh, ultimately they they are the ones that um, has set the tone here and, and bought into what we are selling and so i think uh, almost all of the credit goes to them buying into ames iowa and, and coming and setting uh, the bar unbelievably high for our program i think next time we're doing an iowa state match i'm going to introduce your team from the beaches of ames iowa we have a nice lake on campus <laughs> yeah exactly it's beautiful um i don't know what you're talking about but you know again to get to some of the other performers uh and i want to go to you uh coach he'll go when you talk about you know two of the most consistent performers Sophia last year 13 and 4 Miska last year 16 and 3 what does it do to have that sort of consistency again to have know there are two people you can turn to who are just finding all of that success and where did that success come from last year for that uh that duo yeah I think the success came from the amount of work that they put in I think both of them were taking four individuals a week something like that um they just lived and died out on the court and so um I think that's where they kind of got a little bit of belief in what they were doing, but um, I think both of them really thrive in a team situation. And so they love being out there with their teammates. And so having that kind of success, I think the other girls on the team felt like they could relax playing because they're like, oh, those two, they'll, they'll get it done. They always do. So they could relax and actually play their game style. So um, it's kind of good to have both situations. I mean, you would hope that everybody on the team have that kind of success but um yeah i think it kind of helped everyone relax and you know they worked for it they deserve to have that kind of um success down there so yeah no and you know now again there's an excitement there's a buzz you guys have proven okay we can get to the ncaa tournament we can win a match there when we get there and you know, there's something to the raising of that expectations, and I'm sure you guys try to avoid talking expectations, or at least, you know, that's coach talk. We we're, Let's focus on the day in, day out. But, you know, now, again, 
once it, it's NCAA tournament now. You guys know what you're capable of, and you, the girls have seen what this program can do as well. Uh, you look at this year's schedule right off the bat. You guys are playing national indoors this time. You're going down to Raleigh. Get another shot at NC State. Uh, Coach, si, I'm curious, now that this team, again, has had some experience, do you schedule a little differently heading into this season? And, you know, how excited are you for that national indoor appearance? Definitely. It's our first time playing kickoff. So that's, that's massive step forward for us. Right. And um, I do, I think they're more uh, comfortable and confident that when we do step on court, no matter if it's NC state, if it's Texas, if it's uh, whoever it might be, um, you know, that, that belief I think is there. And so um, look, NC state is loaded and I wanted to challenge us really early. And I think win or lose, we're going to get two great matches uh, there. And so um, to start off the season and see where we're at, and I think that that definitely that scheduling prong is something I've had to learn um, and it, it's gotten better. And I think um, as we as we continue to grow, even in 23, you know, we try to get even better and challenge us. And I'm I'm a huge believer. And maybe you'll ask us later, but I hate the 500 rule and so <laughs> I'm savvy about it. But at the same time, um, I think. I think if you're not challenged, you're not going to be ready for conference at all because our conference the last decade has gotten really, really tough and good. Um, it's not just a two-team uh, uh, swagger with uh, Baylor, Texas. It's, it's almost everybody, basically. So it's um, we, I feel like I'm, I'm a big believer in, in challenging our kids, and that's only going to make them better. Yeah, you beat me to it, but I did want to ask about the 500 rule, and I wanted to ask about, again, your scheduling principles. I see some double headers mixed in as well, and, you know, maybe this year it's, again, now that your team has seen some dual matches, I'm sure it's a little bit easier, but are those 25 competitive dates enough? Like, you know, again, the 20-hour rules as well. Does that reflect the modern demands of tennis? Again, that's a question to both of you. Go ahead, you, Okay. Um, I do think that the 25 matches, it's a lot. By the time you're at the end of the season, like, I think the girls are pretty spent, I think, with the amount of demand of school practice and all of that. Um, I do – it's tough with the 20-hour rule because there are days where you need to get more things done. There are other days where you probably, like, take off, you know. So I think it's a give and take, but – I don't necessarily like that there are certain rules that tell you like, hey, you can't do this. It's like, well, if you're in your normal eight to five job and you're not getting stuff done, like, is that you just go home at five and you're like, oh, sorry, like my time's up, you know? So it's it's hard to have people tell you like you can't get your job done when you need to. But I do, I can see where people would take advantage of that and really just like run it into the ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just to add a, a added element to you, Coach Saya, I feel as though, you know, again, you get an Aklo to come to college. She's coming there to be coached, right? She's coming there to be worked with. And I'm just curious how frequently you're put in a position where, you know, especially now as more players with pro aspirations enter the program, you know, someone comes to you and says, hey, can you work with me for X amount of hours? And you have to say, no, I can't. Like, to me, that's the most ridiculous thing in the world. And I know it's an NCAA edict. But, like, how frequently are you put in that position, particularly, I'm sure, when it's eight-hour time and dead period time? Yeah, it's brutal. Like, the week before finals and the week of finals and trying to explain this rule to the team is just, you know, guys, it's not our rule, and I promise I want to be out here. Um, And... 
gosh, it's, it sucks. It's, it's, it's not good. Like, you know, and I think, I mean, if we have eight hours, I think we should decide how to use them. Um, not just have four and four, uh, there's, I just think, look, I do think there are a certain amount of coaches that might've abused this rule, but I think those are far and few between, like, I think most people would, uh, you know, uh, respect the rule in its, in its place, but at the same time, like, you know, if we're going to improve our product, um, there does have to be a level of training. And if these kids aren't, um, like I said, if, if NACLO's going pro and it's like, yeah, I can't work with you for a couple of weeks, you know, you're going to be on your own. It's like, gosh, it's, it's a, it's a stab in that. So, um, I'd, I'd wish that we'd throw a lot of that out the window. Um, I'd, I'd agree with coach Kilgo. I think the 20, the 25 dates, um, I, I do think that's enough for, um, as you've seen, you know, now many players go on and, and, uh, and be successful out of college. So I don't, I think that's a good prong, but, um, I think my, my one bit on the 500 rule is I'd love to submit. I get while it's in place it'd look bad if a five and 15 team were, were in the tournament, right. But could we maybe do like a within two rule? So if you're within two of 500, if you're 10 and 12, you could still get in and still have that flexibility. You know, I think there's some creative ways. Um, you know, it, it's ridiculous if you're 30 in the country and one of the better teams uh, to, and if you're whatever, 10 and 12 and don't, can't get in. Um, it's just, yeah, there, there's some farsight that we really need to hone in on. And how do we, how do we make our product really, really good for everyone to see? Yeah, I, I would agree with that sentiment completely. And I, within two, I, I like the framing of that. It's just like, you know, again, the difference between college tennis now and even 10 years ago, I feel like the team that's ranked 30, ranked 40, ranked 50 just crushes their 2011 counterpart. No disrespect, Coach Kilgo. But, you know, again, uh, yeah, because I know that's your era. That's, a, you know, an era near and dear to me as well. But it's just the depth and the talent pool feels bigger now. I also feel like, and again, a question for you, Coach Kilgo, not a trick question. But did you know where the compliance office was at Texas Tech? Because nowadays, I promise, all of your players know their compliance officer, right? And it's just like, <laughs> you would think the difference now is someone could go to that compliance officer, make eye contact, and be like, this is me. You can tell this. there's no coercion. Here's my form. I would like to go practice with a coach. Like to me, That, to me, is the difference between now and then as well. Yeah, for sure. I... I think I knew the compliance people during that time, but that's because they would come out and do like little five minute compliance things at practice. Sure. And so they would send somebody new every week or every two weeks. And you're like, Oh, okay. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't think I could walk into their office and be like, Oh, Hey, I have a question. Yeah. Hmm. No, it's just, uh, yeah, that's that's the frustrating part is one would just think we're smarter than that, and so we could get through that. But, you know, again, uh, obviously when you look at what your team's been able to accomplish, clearly uh, things heading in the right direction for you all. And, you know, part of that obviously, as you guys have stressed, is bringing in the right players. And that brings me to uh, recruiting, and I want to ask you guys some questions about that. Let's just start more broadly. I think a big problem, too many players, too many parents, too many coaches across the country – haven't had the opportunity to hear directly from you to get the pitch so with that in mind give me the pitch and it's a question to both of you we can uh start with you first coach saya why should i ride with the cyclones moving forward why should i come down to Ames, become an Iowa? i mean again i i'd like to think i could fill in at three doubles pretty well just in a pinch but uh you know why <laughs> should i come down why should i be a cyclone 
Get you poaching, Alex. Yeah, uh, oh, you know, that's not going to be the issue. You're going to get me stopping. You're going to be like, oh my. You're say, you don't move. Yeah, you'll be like, you don't move nearly as well to that ad side as you think you do. I love the effort. Um, look, I don't know how many programs have risen 200 spots in you know three years, and doing that with a uh, a two court facility um, on you know uh, in a cold weather climate, and so who's doing the most with, uh, you know, with less basically. And um, I think, I think that's a huge pitch. And then um, I've been lucky enough to have four, four former players who are now all top 270 WTA. Astra Sharma, Fernanda Contreras, Gabriela Talaba, Lily Miyazaki, you know, they're, they're amazing players. And I uh, like to think that I at least had a little bit of impact on them. Um, and so I feel like I know what that might look like to take and not just go play pro, but, how to be a successful professional. Um, so uh, really rely on those kind of things. But man, I don't. I think we're pretty old school. Roll up our sleeves. Let's get to work. And um, if you leave our program, um, I want you to be better. And I think if you look at the players that have been here so far, uh, I like to hang my hat on them. Um, you know. And so uh, I think that's the quick pitch from me, uh, Coach Kilgo. You want to sell the Cyclones? Yeah. I mean, I guess for. When I talk to players, we're not flashy. We're not going to blow your skirt up. We're not going to have any of that. But if you want to come and get better, Ames, Iowa is the place to do it. You have two coaches here. Like, I went through the grind of college tennis. Um, I played some of the pro tournaments. I know the level. I played with Gabby Tulaba. You know, like, I did all of these things that you're doing. And... I would like to assume that I can help you get through a lot of these things. And, um, you know, there's not too many head coaches that have the resume that Boomer has. And so, um, yeah, if you want to get better and you're willing to put in the work, this is the place. But if you want all the big facilities and, you know, the beach and all of the fun, like college and woohoo things, like we're not, we're not going to work together well. So, um, yeah, it's basically, hey, if you want to get stuff done, I'm the Ames. Yeah, no, the results speak for themselves. And I am curious, you know, right now it's an all international roster. But I am, again, curious, and I'll start with you, Boomer, is of, you know, getting that first American to really buy in. Is that something you guys are, you know, going after? Obviously, you've been able to find talent everywhere. But is that something you're looking to do moving forward? Totally. I uh, would love like a hybrid-esque approach and um, attracting, you know, now that we've uh, gotten a little bit better, I think we've gotten a little more looks, you know, from the right kind of Americans that'll help us. Um, and so it's just getting that special one to say yes and then uh, building on that, you know. And so we, you know, dig our heels in and, uh, you know, we're out at San Diego, like trying to show the logo and explaining. And, uh, you know, I think once people get over uh, you know, sometimes you might get cut off as like, oh, I'm a coach at I, and then they're like, oh, no, thank you. And so it's getting over that hump. Um, and uh, once you once you get there and you get people to kind of see what we are about, we have a special culture. I mean, and I think in today's society, you see, so, I mean, the transfer portal, right, is nuts. And for players, for people to hold on uh, to the right kind of players, right? It, it, you do have to have that right culture. And so we've been lucky enough to kind of build that and how easy would it have been for some of our players to, to skedaddle out of Ames if, if the beach is calling. And um, I think we've built something real special. So it is it is selling that. And um, and I think, um, I think we're getting closer. We're getting way closer, but that's definitely our approach going forward. 
how difficult has recruiting been for both of you? Because, again, everyone looks good on a live stream. Like, I'll send you some clips. You'll be like, oh, wow, you really can move, Alex. And I'll be like, I used to be able to. But, again, it's on a live stream. Everyone looks fine. I'm sure it's been nice, as you mentioned, to get to San Diego. Winter Nats finished recently as well. I'm sure you guys have been rocking and rolling. But how difficult has this past 18 months been for you you all? Again, it's a tough break for the athletes as well, right, to not have the chance to interact with all of you. It had to have been brutal. Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, recruiting's never easy. Um, even when you do have a beach, you're still going against other schools that have beaches and um, all of that stuff. But I think it was really difficult not being able to get in front of kids because um, I think our biggest sell is man boomer. And so that makes it hard when you can't build that relationship, which is our biggest sell. So it's like, hey, we can sit here and video chat and all of that. But you don't really get to know us and all of that. And then you can't come on campus, so you don't get to meet our team and kind of experience the culture. So I think that was the biggest break for us is we we couldn't get our biggest things to sell in front of the kids. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. And, you know, again, Coach uh, Boomer, you brought up the idea of the transfer portal. And I am curious right now in particular – how you guys are both trying to balance the idea of obviously bringing in the four-year players, bringing in the players you can establish a culture, build a team around versus knowing, hey, if I want to find a five singles, I want to find a six singles. In a pinch right now, I could if I spend enough time on the transfer portal. How do you balance those two things in constructing your roster? Yeah, I think, um, you know, like in life, everything's a good balance, right? And I think it's a great um, it can be a great tool um, as well uh, as you may be your worst nightmare. <laughs> and so um, I think, uh, yeah, you do. Like that's one of my things is I look on there each day and kind of see um, who, who's out there and who might be able to help our program. And again, it's 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 a, it's a tough sell initially. And you, you try to explain what we've done here and um, get people to buy in. And um, yeah, I think um I'm, I'm more of a fan in, in our position. If we go back to the old days when not everybody knew <laughs> who was transferring and it was a little bit more word of mouth and they're like, hey, maybe there's only one or two schools in the mix here, uh, whereas every single coach knows uh, when somebody's transferring. So that's made it harder um, if you're not in that, uh, whatever you might call it, uh, sexy area. But uh, at the same time, I do think, um, I do think, if you get that right kid, I'm, I'm all for it. And I think you've seen lots of teams take transfers and be very successful. I mean, Pepperdine and NC state have uh, absolutely just crushed it. Right. And, and so I think there's validity to it. Um, there's no doubt about it. And so it's, it is, it is getting the right ones, but um, it definitely is a useful tool if used appropriately. Yeah, when you signed up for that NC State match, it was not against this NC State team. Not to say that again. It wasn't. They had a couple graduating seniors in their top four. You're like, okay, yeah, they reloaded. <laughs> so, uh, let's, uh, let's, let's buckle up. Yeah, exactly. It's like, wait, wait, can we redraft? Like, And by the way, I think the kickoff draft is one of my favorite things. It's just like it's, it's an undermarketed property. Uh, I just yes. feel like, again, we could blow it up. I want the coaches on the screen. I want to hear why you're going. I want to see you all slight the teams that you pick like come on let's add some drama the fans would love it it. um but you know i'm curious and i want to go to you kind of because 
it's not that far off from your playing career. And I do feel like transfers have always been a thing in college tennis. And I think Coach Cohen at Oklahoma pointed out that actually the transfer rate in tennis has always been the highest of any of the college sports. That said, it does feel like transferring's been destigmatized a bit. Like, it does feel like even five, ten years ago, someone's transferring, oh, it's a bum program, it's a bum coach, like the player must be a little whack. I feel like that's not the case anymore. And I, I, I do think, I, I'm curious, your perspective going from player to coach now, is that a good thing or a bad thing for college tennis? Um, I mean, because I'm a little more old school, I think it's a bad thing. I feel like, hey, you pick this place, you did the visits, you talked to everybody, and you chose this place, and now you're like, oh, I'm so much better, I can go pick somewhere else. It's like, I don't necessarily agree with that. Um, I, I think it really kind of sucks for um, tennis. I think, you know, if you're not playing, I totally understand kind of going or if there's a lot of issues, but I feel like a lot of girls now just get in a few playing time and then they see other coaches and it's like, oh, my friend's over here and they have a spot, like, I'm going to go over there. And it's like, you kind of you kind of lose your culture and like the whole team aspect of college tennis. And so I don't really like it that much. And I don't like that. It's so easy. Like, Oh, here, I'm going to sign a form and boop, put me on the portal. I'm ready to go. It's like so easy. There's no give and take. It's just, Hey, see ya. Yeah. No, you know, it just, yeah, yeah, absolutely. First of all, the problem is listeners aren't going to get to see the face you just made, but it was a, a face of disapproval. I would just like to point out it was, it was excellent. Um, and so, you know, again, same question to you, Coach Sia, with the added caveat. What sort of pressure does that put on you? Not only are you recruiting for the future nowadays, and again, I suppose from the athlete perspective, it's worth mentioning there is an accountability now. Like if you're not doing a good job coaching and you're not all these things, it, it's much easier for the players to hold you accountable with the transfer portal. That said, what sort of pressures does that put on you? I feel like there are times, I'm sure, where you feel like you're still recruiting your players even when they're on campus. Totally. Right. And I think, I think all the other sports are now getting a taste of what tennis has been right. And tennis has for a long time, not had the year penalty. And, uh, you know, I think it did get a bag stigma. Well, the tennis was the highest rate. Well, we also didn't have the year penalty and now you're starting to see it uh, open the floodgates. And so, um, I feel like it's been that case of, uh, of basically recruiting your own players as well as other players. Uh, so, uh, look, I think if you're genuine and you show up and you put an honest day's work in and they see that you care and are trying, um, there is a certain level of respect uh, that they that they I don't know, they they can pick up a genuineness. And, um, you know, if you aren't trying or you're given a, you know, a half effort, uh, if you will, uh, th th they could tell that as well. And so. Uh, I think I think that's something that me and kind of really tried to do is is give our all right and you go home and you're spent and like hey and you know sometimes I might get frustrated like why aren't they you know trying as hard as I am here because I'm given everything um, but I, I think at the end of the day uh, look uh, all you can do is your best and you know let the cards play where they may now don't get me wrong I might vent about that but uh, <laughs> At the same time, it's it, it can be it can be uh, it can be tough, but you try to play it in your own hand. No, I want to hear that venting. That's what this platform's for. I'm actually just uh, 
therapist and I'm working with all the Power <laughs> Five coaches now. I'm like, fantastic. No, we have enough about. time on, the, on Zoom. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Don't get them started. Yeah, so tell me why three while. singles was poor against Baylor last year. No, um, no, with, yeah, with uh, all of that in mind, no, I, I am curious because one of my big takeaways from this series has been learning. I feel like coaching itself, getting to work with the players and let's improve your forehand cross court, let's work on this pattern, that's like 20% of the coaching job. And again, this is how I want to get into some of the other big pictures here, but I'll start with you, Kenna. That's got to be the biggest revelation, right? Going from player to coach is it's like, oh, I thought I was going to get to work on forehands, do all this stuff. In reality, it's reaching out to donors, working on the budget, doing recruiting, right? How much of the of the coaching aspect you talk about giving your all to it is those non-on-court things? Yeah, I almost feel like uh, all of it goes <laughs> yeah. to not coaching. <laughs> yeah. um, I guess you don't realize with eight women, like there's a lot that goes in. I mean, females in general um, always have a lot going on. And I know like I, <laughs> I was in college once, like there's a lot of emotions. There's a lot of like kind of drama stuff that goes with it. And to have, I guess I didn't realize having eight of them and like managing them and um, having them on a team, it's like, oh, wow, okay, I'm not coaching. I need to make you feel better. Okay, <laughs> awesome. Like, woohoo, let's, uh, like, help boost your ego. Let's, like, soften the blow. Let's do all of these things. And so, yeah, I think when we get to get on court and it is about tennis, you're like, yes, finally. <laughs> we Like, this is, what I, this is what I'm made for. So I think, yeah, I, I, I think 20% is probably a pretty good estimate. I think everything else takes up a lot of time and energy, though. Mm-hmm. And to you, Coach Saya, again, how much of that commitment helps allow a program to win a first NCAA tournament match and win a first Big 12 match? Like, to me, some of the pride of the best programs, you look at obviously what David Rodini's done with TCU, the job he's done marketing that program, getting the Fort Worth community to buy in and making it a tennis town. That's the difference, right? And I'm curious, you know, how much effort you put into those things because you, I don't want to say building from scratch. That's not fair. But given what you guys have done, you know, first three seasons, just I'm sure focus number one, we need the players. You're not going anywhere without the players. But, you know, again, I, I feel like the players only take you so far, right? You do need some community buy-in. Absolutely. Uh, I think that was one of the most attractive things about this job is uh, Ames is a true college town and man, they support their athletics. It could be, you know, minus five degrees and they pack 60,000 in the football stadium and you're like, holy cow. And so I felt like we could reach out to the community and and build on that. And I think, yeah, you look at where Diddy has done, but even Matt Hill at Arizona State, Chris Young, you know, those guys are masters at at getting the, the community involved and building building their programs but then putting a spotlight on college tennis because we have such an awesome product and it takes it does take everybody like that um you know myself included as well as every coach in the country how do we spotlight our programs in the sport because man we can't go backwards um and so uh, i think that is a huge problem uh, you touched on it you got to build and bring the, the right kind of players in first and um you know but uh, along with that it, it never leaves your mind so i go home and sometimes i'm staring off at the dinner table with my wife and son like hello are you here uh and so it uh it's a it, it can be a, a tough thing to never leave the mind but it does take that you got to embody it and you got to you got to live and breathe it if you're going to um kind of build it 
Yeah, well, with that in mind, again, I want to ask some big picture questions, and it's about college tennis, how we continue to grow the game moving forward. And you talk about the buy-in you've seen in your community, and I'm sure when you guys were at Texas Tech, you guys see that buy-in there. And obviously, it helps to be in the college towns, right? The Lubbocks of the world, the Ames of the world, where the college drives so much of the traffic there. Uh, But I am curious, and I'll start with you, Kenna. When you look at college tennis, is it a to best grow the game? Is it a product problem or is it a marketing problem? Because when I look at where the game's at now, like the no ad scoring, the parity, the depth, I think the product's more exciting than it's ever been. Like the blowouts just don't happen. Look at last year's semifinals. You know, Pepperdine, North Carolina was the most, or honestly, you can go quarterfinals. Pepperdine, UCLA, 4 3. You thought that was the most fun? Well, then they beat UNC 4 3. Well, then Texas beats them 4 3. That's as fun as it gets, it felt like. And I think all of us were at that match. Obviously, there was a buzz on the grounds as well. You know, I'm not worried about the product, I think it's a marketing thing. It's always great to answer a question before you ask it, but I'm curious from your perspective, is it you know a product th- problem? Is it a marketing problem? What should we be focused on to grow the game? No, I think you kind of nailed it. I think it is a marketing thing, and I think you've done an unbelievable job putting kind of tennis on the map. And, you know, at the fall nationals, you're out there just chirping behind different <laughs> matches and all of that. And I know I had a lot of friends that were tuning in because they're like, hey, that's actually kind of cool. Like, I don't know anything about tennis, but he's kind of giving me the whole rundown. And um, so I think we need more people like you that are um, willing to kind of put in the work and get behind matches and kind of talk people through it. Because I think people don't understand the exciting parts of tennis. So if you have someone kind of telling them like, hey, yeah, this guy, he's... 12 and one and this guy over here is like 13 and 0 like this is a huge match and kind of talking through it I think you have a little more buzz around tennis but tennis in general is exciting and there's always things going on you're not like lulled to sleep by I mean I hate to say like baseball but you know like baseball is a slow game so tennis is fast it's exciting and so I do think it's a marketing thing. Mm-hmm. I would say we don't need any more of me. Let me just hog the market for a little bit. Let me make enough money to retire at 35, and then, yeah, anyone can take my spot. Uh, but same question to you, Coach Cyan. Again, we sort of touched on this in terms of your coaching job, the non-X's and O parts, but are these the things you think about? And I'm curious how you approach this problem. Yeah, all the time, right? Um, and I'm, I'm with Kenna. I, think, I do think there still needs to be a shift as far as – not necessarily the product, but maybe the structure. Um, I think, you know, I've heard over and over um, softball is very marketed because of the two hour game. Um, and how do we get tennis uh, more around that time frame? Um, but to me, it's like, and I'm, I'm probably biased, but I could sit down and watch softball. I could sit down and watch soccer. And it's like, why are, why are there fans in the stands so many um, there when I think the excitement of tennis is, is unbelievable, like the rush of doubles and then into the singles. And so, um, yeah, I think there's some structure things and, you know, we got to, we got to, I think kind of nailed it with you we don't have storylines in our, in our, you know, the coaches know the storylines, but media and, and the fans don't necessarily know. It's like, Oh, there's two people, you know, one's 11 and one at five and the other one's undefeated. Like this is going to probably come down to four, three match. And these two are going to decide it. And so you've really given us a voice, Alex. And like, I can't, like, I know everybody probably feels this way, but we can't thank you enough. Like this is, 
it's huge to have you and give us that voice and and basically help market this because we need that we we absolutely need that as a product and yeah and so i'm gonna throw i'm gonna throw a structure thing at you and, and bounce us off you i'm curious because you've you've thrown around a lot in the last couple of months with a, a lot of the coaches so to get more around the two hour frame is it a eight game pro set of doubles to start and then an eight game of singles and yeah, yeah you pound it out right or is it a six game of doubles into best out of three four game sets of uh you know how do you push the two hour limit uh to help you know i think if people bought in espn and the tennis channel and and things like that i think it's a great product to sell well let me just say super producer westoff cut all of that like i don't want anyone hearing those compliments i don't you know i'm cyclone red right now it's horrifying uh yeah you guys are far too kind to me um i so i was going to ask you about this it's a perfect transition to me the future is is a simultaneous start. Like, I just think 10 to 15 years from now, we're going to experiment with that. Or in the next 10 to 15 years, that'll be something we try. And the, the difficult thing, of course, is you cut out doubles if you do that. And it sucks because the doubles point is the single most exciting, I would say, property in all of tennis. And just it's 40 minutes. It's Russian roulette. It's why all coaches go bald. It's just... You know, it's extraordinarily exciting. But the problem is, and I forget who framed it like this, some coach, and I thought it was actually framed brilliant. I think it was Joey at Baylor. You're giving fans an excuse to leave with the start of those first sets because, yeah, you can feed them with all of the pizza in the world and you can do all these different things. But, like, for the next 40 minutes, it doesn't really matter if you're not a hardcore tennis fan who just wants to watch every single point and consume it all simultaneous start alleviates that a little bit and whether it's one doubles flight four singles uh flights or maybe two and three however you want to do it then everything's consecutively it's all at once doubles ends you can get right into the singles or maybe you extend that doubles match two out of three sets however you want to do it i also think that opens the door to substitutions which is something i want to ask you both about as well but let's just start with that simultaneous start uh kenna does that appeal to you at all or are you like eh? No, no good i'm like old school like it hurts my heart that we have to change all the things but um i mean i was the same way going to no ad and now i like ad what no let's not do that so i mean i think i just change hurts my heart a little bit but i think once you kind of get going and you see how smooth the transition is i think it'll end up being fine um i don't I, it's, I struggle doing singles and doubles at the same time. I just think that doubles is, is so exciting that it kind of needs its own like entity to kind of coach and be there because it's hard to go from doubles to singles in your mind coaching. But um, I do understand where people leave right after the doubles. Like that makes total sense to me. So um, yeah, I do think you play it's a, something. Do you play a set of singles, doubles in the middle and finish with the singles. Yeah. <laughs> It's Ooh, tough. Because it, where it's in the middle. I know. Or just, I mean, again, it's so stupid, but you would think maybe doubles at the end just so you start with singles. And it's like if you've committed to the full singles, well, now what am I going to leave at three all for the doubles point? Or do you make all those doubles sets now worth one point? So that way, you know, That's even fair. if it's 4-2, you still have to play the doubles because there's a chance the team can come back. Like, I know yeah. they've done that in the past, but – it's such it is a catch-22 because the the first 40 minutes of the doubles point will draw you in like you will see it and you will say this is interesting 
That said, I really don't like the idea. Like, I think two out of three sets, no ad scoring in singles. It's long enough to where the physical matches and the, the great matches aren't compromised. But it also does speed things along. Like, there's no doubt yeah. about that. And so it's tough. Coach Saya, floor is yours. What do you think? Yeah, no, it's um, – I do think, again, there needs to be that shift and uh, maybe taking some of these fall tournaments and, and trying these out, right? That's probably the best opportunity. But uh, I think I am I am probably a traditionalist as well. Like, I need to have, like, singles and doubles, uh, uh, both. Um, and so I think that's probably the beauty of it. Um, but In that scenario, by the way, I do then – the pro set is interesting. Or – I played this league match again. Let's make this about my career. We haven't spent enough time talking yeah, you're about good. Music. Yeah, no, let's not get crazy here. Again, <laughs> I'll, I'll, uh, I'll send the YouTube clips. Uh, but no, it's just, you know, it was a format where it was an hour and a half and play as many games as humanly possible. And look, that's, you know, it's World Team Tennessee. And I think Coach Dancer, uh, Illinois men's tennis coach for our listeners, suggested you, you do something like that where it's let's do it by total games. Let's not do it by you know the traditional set scoring so that every game does matter and so again we can get into a time limit as well I guess the real crux of this question is and uh, we can end on the scoring formats here for both of you I'll start with you coach Saya does doing things like that gimmicking for the fans and making sure college is a commercial product does that compromise development because ultimately that's what this discussion comes down to right is it's like we can play with the format all you want ultimately two people have rackets it's still tennis But do doing these sorts of funky format things compromise the development? And does it take us to a world where Naklo says, you know what, I'm not going to college. Like, why would I do that? That's stupid. That's that's the question to me, Coach Saya. Curious where you're at on that. Totally, yeah. I I do think that that, um, it would probably need to be in conjunction with um, the ITF and WTA and ATP, right, of, of, man, I just feel like there's so many different entities in tennis uh, now UTR is coming right and nobody collaborates and it's like we are we have got to have the philosophy of we're in this together um, and how do we grow it together because otherwise if everybody's fighting against each other and not um, for each other man we're going to run into some major issues uh, so um, I do and I like I loved um, I think the up and comer ATP uh, you know the eight and they, they they did they played three out of five or four sets and um, I think there is something to that. And uh, man, we just, I do think we need to have a little more of a um, consistent system across, you know, we go from no ad to with ad and NITF or, you know, some playlets we don't. It's, so it seems silly to me, you know, maybe um, the only difference in the NBA is we move back the arc a little bit and there's two more minutes per quarter, but at the same time, it's, it's still the same game where, we can't get too fundamentally off um, if if others aren't willing to change. So I totally agree. I think it'll d- uh, detract players from coming if it's so different, um, and we have to uh, collaborate together uh, with everybody. Yeah, same question to you, Kenna. Does it make it more difficult to sell the? I'm sure to pro- the product if it's just like, yeah, we do this funky all-in 26 game sort of thing. Yeah, for sure. I think uh, me and Boomer talk about this almost every day in the. You know, in the offices, you just don't, you can't get those high caliber players anymore if you're changing the game of what, you know, the pros are doing. So until everyone's together doing all the same things, I think you're going to kind of water down 
um, what college tennis will be if you start changing it too much. Yeah, that said, I, you know, and I think you both brought this up, the fall's probably the time to do it, right, where you can mess around a little bit and have some fun. And I'm curious, and again, while we're hitting the full spectrum here of questions, how you guys view the fall? Because, A, I know what we're hiding the duel from, and so it's not a competitive date, but the hidden duel kind of epitomizes as a name what can be wrong with college tennis at times, which is like, why would we hide a product that's so good? You know, again, it, it's still a dual match. It's, the, you're, it's very close to the facsimile of what you get in the spring. And, you know, we play the ITA Fall Nats. And, obviously, it was the regional system, very beneficial for Iowa State, not trying to detract from what you guys did. But it's like, we played the All-American a month ago. Like, it, what is the difference between these two events? Why do we have both of them when maybe we could do things a little bit better do you like the way the fall is structured right now, Coach Sia? Would you like to see some reimagination of it? Yeah, I think we can always tinker and make it better, right? I do like it from a development um, aspect, I would say. Uh, I, I kind of enjoy the grindiness of, like, a three or four uh, tournament singles to, to build that toughness in. Um, you know, I remember uh, I took uh, Naklo to her first All-American. She played, like, five matches in four days, and she looked at me like, Coach, I got one more. Like, And so um, I do think that does help prepare them because, like, look, you could have a rain out and play two matches in a day on the ITF circuit, and if you're going to go win the 15K or 25, you got to be prepared. Uh, all that said, um, yeah, I love the hidden dual format, especially if you have several freshmen on the team that are going to be in the top six uh, to get their feet wet and um and see that happen uh but i i kind of enjoy the structure of it uh the individual tournaments in the fall and the dual match uh, season in the spring and uh, i know that there's been some other ideas floated around and flipping those but i think for me uh, i really enjoy the uh that that kind of grindiness and see what our players are made of and kind of instill that toughness where hey if we have a double header back to back where it doesn't really phase us yeah, no, and with that, uh, kind of I want to hear your thoughts and also add this. Coach Chapman on yesterday's podcast says he thinks he would be more shocked if the NCAA individuals don't move to the fall than if they do. Um, and, look, obviously we've talked about it a lot on this show over the past month. I'm curious if you would be – would do like – obviously, again, you play your, what, I think two-time NCAA doubles. Uh, you know, you, you were in the draw and – you know, you know how long that grind can be when you're playing the NCAA tournament. Then you're there for two weeks. Thankfully, no income tax in Florida because otherwise we would have all paid it at the end of the NCAA tournament. Uh, are you fine with them moving the NCAA individuals to the fall? Is that something you're in favor of, not in favor of? What do you think? Yeah, I definitely think I would be for that. I think it gives all the girls that, you know, the rankings get so skewed on different times. You know, the girls deserve that. Um that chance to do it in the fall. I think if you're moving it to the fall, you definitely need to kind of bring together like all Americans, the fall nationals. Like I think you're starting to put so many big tournaments in the fall that you're not going to be able to kind of go out and do other things, um, especially with like the 25 dates. And so, um, yeah, I think I'm totally for that. I think it would be great for the girls. I think you're going to get um, different people in there that deserve to be in there. Um, and so, yeah, I'm totally for that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, it's going to add a couple components to it as well, and I want your thoughts, Coach Saya. But, you know, I think one solution is you go to a 12-month ranking system because with all due respect to the ITA, and they would even say it, you know, Coach Chapman mentioned it yesterday, he's on the ranking committee, the December rankings mean nothing. Like, they really don't. And, 
you know, again, you have a ranking system with no Liam Draxel, no Emma Navarro. Like, come on, what are we doing here? Um, I think you go to a 12-month system and you just drop out the seniors as they graduate. I also think doing that is something that allows the NCAA individual field in the fall to be accurate. And it's just like, I think that's a necessary adjustment. I also think, you know, again, do you start incorporating things like UTR, pro results into the college rankings, or should they just be a reflection of college results? Where are you on that, Coach Saya? all about it and i think that's where it kind of leads into that collaboration right where everybody's kind yeah. of on the same page but yeah i mean come on all of us know i mean you got navarro's coming back and i don't know how many um how many players are not in the top 10 that should be right and i'm all about that and, and incorporating maybe some pro tournament or utr uh results um from say the summer and that could play in um to, to the 12-month ranking, but I'd be way more for that because even the team stuff, it gets so sporadic. You come that first ranking in February, and it'll sort itself out, don't get me wrong, but um, I do I do like the the idea of that, and then having the Having the individual at the end of the at the end of the fall is totally good, and the freshmen coming in, they'll have their right opportunities right through regionals, or maybe they get into pre-qualies of all Americans that we've seen several uh, freshmen win. And so I don't think there's any doubt, like when we're at fall nationals, that the four best players weren't in the semis, right? So I think, and that Cayetano beat uh, Princeton in the final. Like to me, those are the two probably kids that are playing the best tennis. Um, of the fall and so for me uh, I, I think I think it won't affect um, getting it right um, at all and I think it's uh, it needs to that that NCAA tournament is the true gauntlet and how many times would a um, say a DiLorenzo or a Sharif or somebody uh, from Georgia or Florida or UNC win the NCAA title if it was in uh, if it was in uh, November compared to going through the whole the whole rigmarole of the week um, and then trying to play individuals. So I think that was kind of unfair to some of those that are a part. You get penalized for being part of a good team. Yeah, I know this is just being a dreamer. Put it the second week of the U.S. Open. Like we talk about, you know, again, there need to be more entities committed to college tennis. There needs to be communication. I think top five ranked players – like, if you're world team tennis, why not just say, hey, top five ranked players, men's and women's side, you're all getting world team tennis contracts for this year. Like, let's add that carrot on there as well. And obviously, what Oracle was doing prior to Mark Hurd's passing was the closest facsimile we've had to something like that. And we saw the impact that yeah. made for college tennis. But to me, play it the second week of the U.S. Open. Like, if the USTA is going to go all in on college tennis, go all in on college tennis. And provided that platform i pro every fan base has people in new york like there you can find college tennis fans to actually now fill the seats there that second week that's my pet project i'm gonna make it happen like that's my 10-year goal we'll see you know again knock on wood not quite there yet i don't think i have that much pull yet but you know i'm working i'm working but like <laughs> i i would agree with you both it's just again uh, and I, what i've learned from this 49.9 percent of college coaches will agree on anything you're never going to get 50 percent, not ever and so you know i do think that's part of the issue as well i never by the way asked substitutions are you in on that kenna like i feel like that could be oh no, no fun <laughs> i want no part of that Boomer? you start it you need um, to finish it come yeah, on the same that's my favorite element of the game like if i was playing bad i can't be subbed i gotta figure this out yeah. so I, 
as far now it would be kind of interesting you bring in a ringer that's like six five and just has a serve right you're up five four it's like let's go take this uh you know if you're on the right side of that that'd be nice but i love the traditional element of like you gotta figure it out and so, so i'm gonna give you the flip side argument because i i mean obviously i think my stance is clear but a i think if a player gets injured like that should be allowed for a substitution why in college times would we ever start a match with a you know end a match with a retirement that's just stupid that helps no one i think that's an easy sub the other one doesn't it actually lead to more accountability? Can't you as a coach say, like, look, you don't – I don't – those 10-second lulls that every player goes through or 10-minute lulls where they just lose focus, you do that, I'm yanking you. And so, like, I, I would say the flip side argument is much like no ad scoring. It does add a layer of accountability. It does kind of say, like, hey, you know, get your shit together because if not, you're getting the the yank. Like, that That would be my my, my zag on that take. I feel like that opens the door up for so many things to happen. Like, oh yeah, they're they're sick, and then I'm gonna put someone in to like play the certain game style, and oh, there's so much gaming that could go in with that. I just, ooh, not a fan. No, Boomer, did I convince you? <laughs> no, I. <laughs> still struggling with it, Alex. I, I can't get my head around it. Like. I do, I do see the point of if you're injured, uh, but then that might open up a whole nother door. And what is injured? I, my philosophy, like, hey, if you didn't get it done this match, then I'm still yanking you for the next match. And so, <laughs> um, you know, it might be an hour later decision. But, uh, um, yeah, I think uh, I, I would be – I'm very open to whatever is going to help the sport. And um, and so maybe the traditional is still in me. It's like, oh, I, I could go without substitutions. But well, if everybody in, to, we... I was going to say, to your point, imagine the scoreboard. That's my attempt at, like, the sound effects that you guys would do. You bring in that closer. Like, you bring in, I need one service game, 5-4, bring her in. And, like, I'm just saying, it's it, uh, that's what the fall is for. We'll try it in the fall. We'll see if it works <laughs> or it doesn't work. And then I guess we can go from there. Um, but no, these are all fun things. I suppose then you guys would be out on lawless lineups, which is my idea. Not that you need help winning at home, clearly, but away team submits beforehand, home team matches up however they like. Because like we know the lineup chicanery is happening no matter what. Let's just embrace it and just say, hey, we want home crowds. Let's let the home team be in a position to win as frequently as possible. Is that something at all appealing? you could make a pitch for that i would be willing to listen i don't know if you could sell me completely on it but <laughs> sure. i think it'd be worth a shot of like ooh, let's see i think for the most part you play the lineup how it should be played um there's not too many times where i'm like ooh, i want my five playing one mm -hmm. um so i think it's played pretty pretty evenly but uh i am definitely open open ears here yeah, the other thing is, like, again, that five player gets a shot at the one where it's like, hey, for my development, I want to, can I go pro? Let's see how I compete on this day. And, you know, again, something to keep in the back pocket. Boomer, you're giving me a look like this kid's crazy. Uh, no, I like it. I like it. I'd be more interested, probably, where it's not a complete wild, wild west of, like, is it, I think I've heard you say this before, but is it like the pot? Like, so anybody one through three. Yeah, um, I think that would be the compromise, them. right? I think I would totally be up for that. Uh, I think it would be fascinating, like, watching some of these matchups. And mm -hmm. it would truly 
most, I mean, you might have a little bit of a home court advantage, right? But in most ways, maybe not so much in tennis. And so I think that would actually give the home team um, a true advantage a little bit more. Um, and so you can either uh, match up appropriately or dig your own grave. I guess that's up to you. So, uh, but I think I think that 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 would be a good selling point. I'd, I'd be I'd be open ears for that one. No, I like it. My last one, and I want to hear Kenneth's thoughts first before I let you. Uh, to, uh, chime in boomer coin toss overrated we can do better let's get the fans engaged right away so in lieu of that one point drop and hit head coach versus head coach winner decides the serving arrangements ken are you trusting boomer to win that point more than 500 you know more than a 500 rate oh hell yeah <laughs> ride or die baby let's go boom Imagine like he loses three in a row. You pull him aside. You're like, Boomer, do you want to hit for an hour? Like, well, in that case, we're gonna do the substitution, and I'm gonna take the place. (laughs) How many subs do you get a year? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) bring in the righty. Bring in the righty. If it was if it was a backhand chip game, I'm all for it. (laughs) Full court, I don't move as well as I did. need like one middle forehand feed and i'm gonna go for it no that's, i just like yeah the chipping and charging because none of you can make passing shots anymore so like that's really it's just yeah who gets to the net first who doesn't have to bend low um I, yeah but that said can't you imagine the crowd boomer boomer, boomer. Oh, for sure. yeah uh, no i'm way. totally about it let's do it let's start it in the spring it's all just a setup and i i know i've said this before but it's a setup for chris woodruff versus ty tucker because like fisticuffs right like for <laughs> sure and so that's all i really want out of this and so yeah that, that's that's what this setup is all for but no again uh with all of that said you know just a couple more here i know you guys have been so kind with your time should the ncaa champ get a wild card regardless of if they're american because again i think this loops into the marketing component as well like if the usda is going to double down on college tennis Double down on it. Don't let it make. Why is Paul Jubb a worse representative than Sam Riffis? Why is Stella a worse representative than Emma? Like they're just not. And so, I think my thoughts are clear. Where are you both on it? Absolutely. I mean, it's how many people over like Cam Nori, and now he's what like twelve in the world. And I remember he opted out like whenever whenever NCAA's were, and you're like, come on, like we've we've got to represent the best of the college has uh so i'm i'm all about giving the opportunity no matter if it's an international um or a domestic american kid can i'm i'm the same i think that would actually bring more into college tennis uh probably more to like internationally if you have someone like hey yeah they're coming from here like i i I think it would help a lot Mm -hmm. no absolutely um all right if you guys could re-coach any match from last season, which would you pick? Oh, man. It's tough, right? There were a bunch of good ones last year. A lot of firsts. Oh, there were so many firsts. We're saying that January 22nd double header. Like, that's when you knew. Uh, um, no, probably not that one. Yeah. Man. So many matches. I don't even remember all of them. Um <laughs> There are two that come to mind. So my first one was our first year. I know you said last year, but my first, our first year against, uh, I think 
oh gosh, we're like 150 in the country. We're playing number five, Texas. Um, and we're down two to three and we are, we're up five, four at six singles and we just split at one. And I was like, oh my gosh, you know, it could be one of the best upsets of all time. So um, our six ended up falling a little short. So I, I just sort of love to have a chance at one singles. I think we lose four or three, uh, but uh, I want that one back. Then I'm going to say NC State. I mean, we had set points at uh, four and six singles. We ended up getting it to a third at six and then uh, four fell a little short. And so whether we win or not, I would just love to see two third sets uh, man and battle it out for a, for a sweet 16. So those come to my mind. Uh, Kenna, do you have any? Um, so I have one that's actually, we ended up winning 4-3. It was our first year against Baylor. Um, I just want to go back and kind of relive that one. I think that was just an awesome time. And so I probably wouldn't change too much about it, but I would like to relive that one. I think that was just chef's kiss. <laughs> um, and then I would say probably Penn State, um, our second year, I think we lost that one for three. Um, and that was kind of a heartbreaker. I think if we could have snagged that one, I think our ranking would have jumped a little bit more that second year before COVID hit. But yeah, that one kind of hurt a bit. No, it's always the losses I learned are the ones you guys want. Did you ever anybody change a, a win, Alex? Yeah, well, I've, I've never even <laughs> I heard didn't someone want to said, change. Yeah, but it's just like I would never want to re-experience that win. And like, it's always like I wish I could change the loss. It's never – although I'm trying to think. No, there's, every so often – yeah, it's usually the losses. I won't lie. That said, Kenneth, if you would have known how much more stressful it is to watch these matches at 4-3 than playing them, would you have never gotten into coaching? Like, I feel Absolutely. like – Yeah, I don't know how you guys do it. Like, I don't even have investment in it, but I still feel stress over watching last year's North Carolina-Texas indoor final where I was just like, oh, no, someone's losing this? Like, come on. I know, and I don't think the players really understand as a coach. He's like, I can't do anything here. I'm, like, relying strictly on your mental state on how we're going to play this match. It's like, that's terrible for me. I try to come up with – I'm eating cough drops with the wrapper on them. I get so nervous. It's so awful. (laughs) He has a full pack of gum in his mouth. Just like, come on, I can't. Oh, it's hard on my heart. Yeah, no, Ty Tucker goes through a pen cap a match. Like, it's impressive. <laughs> You're just like, how does this guy do it? Um, yeah, it's, again, superheroes. That's what I'm starting to learn. And the reason college tennis is so good, you guys were willing to butter me up. I'll throw some butter your way. It's because all of you coaches, I think the quality in college tennis coaching has never been better. I mean, case in point, you know, again, that someone like Kenna is floating as an uh, associate head coach now at Ohio, uh, at Iowa State. Excuse me, Ohio State was on the mind. That's that's just a testament to you know the depth right now across the level, not just the head coaching ranks, assistants, associates as well. And I imagine it makes the competition that much more enjoyable, that much more difficult too. With all of that said, my final question for you both: a little nacho cheesy, but you know when fans players coaches watch your team compete this season what do you want the takeaway to be what do you want people to be saying about this Iowa State team moving forward um I really just want them to buy into our team I want them to look at our girls and be like they are tough oh my gosh I think that's kind of the biggest thing I want people to think our team is gritty and tough and then I want them to just kind of buy in and want to follow them compete like when they come like 
we I, that has to be my word that I've probably used a million times in the last three and a half years is wow that team is competitive whether they won or lost like there is that grit and toughness and I think we pride ourselves in that and so I just want every fan opposing players and coaches uh, when they leave Ames or they or we leave like wow that is a tough team and if you can get there uh, you know that that's success when or lose. Yeah, no, absolutely. Again, if anyone's been following college tennis, watching your team rise over these past three years, it's been one of these stories. And so certainly, you know, now come the expectations, right? And I feel like that's the fun part is now people know what you all are capable of. You get to prove to them that you're able to replicate it moving forward. I will say this. You're not going to find a lot of red and yellows. I'm a fan of the Iowa State color scheme. And I know that's, you know, what you guys really wanted to hear coming into this. Yeah, exactly. I appreciate it. But no, it's just, again, yeah, you know when the Cyclones are coming. You always know when the Cyclone is coming. And I'm sure that's not a pun that's ever been used on the Iowa State campus. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, uh, no, I, again, I, I really appreciate you both taking the time, letting me pick your brains. Obviously, we'll be wishing you all success, health, and, uh, you know, don't be strangers. You're always welcome back here on the show. Awesome. awesome. Thank you for having us. We really appreciate it. Keep up the great work. Oh, I appreciate yeah, keep crushing it. Yeah, I, I do what I can. Is it? I don't know. It's not cyclone out. I'm like thinking, what? What's? What's our? What do we say here? As we, it's not go cyclones, is it? It's, that's. It's just that. Nice and easy. Uh, kind of. Yeah. Well. Our hashtag's ten toes down. Yeah, so there we, it is. There we, we it is. That's what I'm looking for. That's what I like to hear. <laughs> well, again, to both of you, I appreciate you taking the time, uh, and I'm sure we'll chat more soon. Awesome. Sounds Thank good. You so Thank much. you. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.